0: The Bible reading for today is taken from John chapter six, verse 60 to 69. On hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching, who can accept it? Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the son of man ascend to where he was before? The spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the spirit and life. Yet, there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. You do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God.
1: Aaron, Thank you so much. Um, Why don't we pray as we begin. You have the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Father, we ask that today uh, those words of eternal life will be written more clearly on our hearts and that we would know and believe in Jesus all the more. Amen. Well, it is uh, good to be uh, here speaking today uh, from John 6, which is the most uh, incredible chapter, actually. If you have your Bible open, it starts back a page, John 6, with the feeding of the 5,000. Then in the middle of the chapter, Jesus declares in verse 35, I am the bread of life. And then the chapter ends, as we just heard, with Simon Peter saying, verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And so this morning, I want to unpack for us those final words of Simon Peter. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. When Jesus fed the 5,000, that was a really good solution to the people's problem. The people on that day were hungry, so he gave them food. It's a good thing to do to, to feed the hungry, to clothe the naked to provide hospitality for the homeless. Uh, These are good solutions to the problems of our world. And our world has so many problems, doesn't it? And so today when we think of a church's involvement in world mission, we might immediately start to think of those good deeds. But having fed the people, Jesus went on to say, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. And when he said that, he's pointing out that food alone is not enough. I mean, he's just done one of the most amazing miracles in all history, and yet he says it wasn't enough. It wasn't good enough. Obviously, food and water matter, but they're not sufficient. The crowd don't agree with him. They say to Jesus, uh, verse 31, our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. They're remembering that that time, some of you may know, uh, after the Exodus from Egypt, when God provided food for them day after day. And they're saying, that's enough. Food is enough. But Jesus says to them, no, you've missed the point. Verse 49 your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness yet they died. Even daily bread from God is not sufficient. Jesus is saying we have a bigger problem than bread can satisfy. He's saying people need more than that, that people need the bread of life. So he said, verse 35, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. People need more than relief work. Sadly, in this world, relief work is very often necessary. But it's never sufficient. People need something more. Now, remember, when the people were hungry... Jesus provided food. We mustn't say that because some needs are not spiritual, that they don't matter. They do matter. Jesus fed these people. But Jesus' ministry was about far more than that. He was concerned about our deepest hunger, our deepest thirst, about our need for life. Life in all its richness now, life in all its fullness forever. Eternal life. And that's what Simon Peter realised He said he wouldn't leave Jesus because, verse 68, you have the words of eternal life. Simon Peter knew he needed a long-term solution, a permanent answer, the words of eternal life. Words that sustain us, not just for one day, but every day. Not just for now, but for the whole of our lives. Not just in this world, but forever. We have problems that the supermarkets can't help with. Problems that the hospitals can't fix. That's not to say that supermarkets and hospitals are bad. No, they're they're good. You praise God for them. But we we need something more. We need the words of eternal life. We need this long-term solution to our deepest personal needs and the needs of our world. And those words are found in Jesus. So when we think about world mission on a a day like today, as a church involved in mission, how do we make this available? It's important to realise that the hope found in Jesus, that the, the Bible offers, is found in him, in a person in Jesus, not in an ideology There isn't a program for us to roll out. Jesus himself is the solution. He said, I am the bread of life. The the disciples don't ask to which other philosophy shall we turn or what development strategy shall we use? They say, to whom shall we go? Who else can we go to? The, The answer to our deepest needs is found in Jesus himself, in knowing Jesus, not in some clever plan of action we we tend to think in our world that if we follow the right steps if we have the right strategy uh, the right policies the right manifesto we can somehow figure out how to make this world a better place but the bible insists that isn't the case yeah the, the world has many good and helpful ideas about practical steps we can take to help those in need And maybe we should be doing some of those things more than we're actually doing. But they're not enough. They're not sufficient. The solution our world needs is in a person, not our good works. Jesus himself is the answer to our deepest needs. Jesus himself is the solution to our world's greatest problems. And because people need Jesus, this creates a degree of urgency. I mean, think about it. If the the solution we need is a person, it is therefore a unique solution. Uh, If the solution is Jesus, it therefore isn't anyone else. Uh, Jesus is saying, unless you feed on me the bread of life, you can't have life. In fact, he says that explicitly, verse 53. I very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, you have no life in you. And He's not talking about eating with our mouths, you know. He's talking about feeding on him with our minds, feeding with our hearts, feeding on him. And that's why in, in our reading, when the crowds who who'd started following Jesus heard this, they said, verse 60, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? They don't mean hard to understand. They're not asking Jesus, can you just run that past me a second time? I don't think I got that the first time. No, they mean, this is outrageous. This is intolerable. What they're saying is, this is an offensive message. And Jesus replied to them, verse 61, does this offend you? Well, yes, it offends them. Yes, it is offensive to us to say we can't solve all our problems ourselves. Yes, it is offensive in our world to say that only Jesus can meet our deepest needs. So that when we insist that the real solution is found in Jesus, that he is a unique solution, and that he alone is the key who unlocks our lives, well, people find it offensive. And and so it was back in their day too. Verse 66, from this time, many of his disciples, this large group of followers, turned back and no longer followed him. His follower count went right down that day. Offended that true life is found only in Jesus, in feeding on him, many turned their backs on him and walked away. Yet Simon Peter and and the twelve do not leave. Jesus gives them that option, verse 67. You do not want to leave too, do you? But Simon Peter, speaking for them all, says, verse 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? That is, there is no one else to go to. I mean, who else could it be? Reading on, Peter says, you have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Wow, that is an an incredible statement, isn't it? Jesus is not just a prophet, not even simply the Messiah, that would be awesome, but more than that, that Jesus is the Holy One of God. And if that is who he is, then plainly no one else can compare to him. If God himself has come down to earth, if Jesus is who he claimed to be, then of course, he alone has the words of eternal life. How else could it be? Rather than take offense at this, this should cause us to leap for joy because finally we meet the solution to our deepest needs finally that the answer to our greatest problems has arrived and hey look folks it's not a complicated solution that you need a degree to understand or a committee to organize but a person who has come to us who we can know for ourselves and who freely offers just to give us life this, then, is the critical engagement which shapes a critical understanding which shapes all our thinking and engagement around world mission, whether we're talking about mission in Oxford or, or UK or, or globally. Because so often when we think about world needs, we start thinking about what's in the news. And right now in the news, there's a lot of stuff around world needs, isn't it? And so we start there as if that is going to tell us what the world's true problems are. and and, and when we when we when we see the news we start thinking about the many important things that we could and should be doing uh, around feeding the hungry and caring for the homeless and, and, and so on but valuable as that is it is not enough we must not forget what the news is not telling us that people need more than that People need to never go hungry. People need to never be thirsty. People need to find the bread of life. And that means there is a priority, a priority in mission today. Given very real world needs, there is a priority around making Jesus known, introducing people to him so they can find life in his name helping people to know Jesus better so they can enjoy the daily help he brings. How how do we do that? Practically speaking, how can we help people today to discover Jesus for the first time or to grow to know him better day by day? If life is found in knowing Jesus, in feeding on him, in walking with him, in dwelling in him, How practically does that happen? Well, the answer here, consistent with the New Testament, is that the Holy Spirit enables people to know Jesus through his words. We know Jesus by the Spirit through his words. Jesus already said in our reading in verse 63, the words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. And Simon Peter gets it. He replies to Jesus, Yeah, you have the words of eternal life, not just words about eternal life, not just words that describe a good philosophy of life, but actual spirit-filled, life-giving words. So that when we read the Bible, the word of God, we meet a person, Jesus, and can find life in him. These words are powerful. God is speaking through them. These words bring life to us as we listen to them, as we ponder them, as we discuss them together, as we accept and believe them, as we take them to heart and build our lives on them, as we live according to them and put them into practice. These are life-changing, life-giving words. Uh, Think for a moment of your favourite Bible verses. Does anyone want to to shout out favourite Bible verse? Why don't we try that? Who's got a favorite Bible verse they can shout out? You have to shout out fairly loudly for me here at the front. John three sixteen: For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Wonderful verse. Another one? Matthew 11. Come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm going to stop. So I, would, I once asked some people this, and someone said, Psalm 119. It's like, come on. That's not fair. That's not fair. <laughs> I'm going to go Psalm 23, 1, the Lord is my shepherd. In the beginning was the word. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful verses. Uh, Romans 8:39. nothing shall separate us from the love of God. Like, Why is it that these verses are so precious to us? We know that verses like these are not simply information or head knowledge. We experience that they warm our hearts because they're relational. Because God is speaking to us by his spirit through his word. They touch us. We hear his voice. They're precious. Because in God's word, we meet God himself. We hear him. And if we understand this, if we realise that the word of God is life-giving, then we will see that there is an inherent priority, a necessity, and even an urgency around taking the words of Jesus to other people. If we believe and know that Jesus is the Holy One of God whose words are the words of eternal life, I mean, surely the next step is to tell people those words, isn't it? We can hardly keep it to ourselves, can we? That would be really heartless. I mean, if you care about anyone, surely the next thing to do is to share this with them. Our lives and the mission of our churches locally, nationally, globally should be orientated around making jesus known by making his words known we should make the word of god more available to people more accessible so everyone can know jesus so everyone can feed on him the bread of life jesus is alive today drawing people of every tribe and language and people and nation to himself So we make his word available to all peoples, from every tribe and language and people and nation, so that anyone, anywhere can come to know him and grow in relationship with him. Then if you've ever wondered, um, why do we have the Bible today available to us in English? Have you ever thought about that? Because for a long, long time, the Bible was only available in Latin. How did we get it in English? Well, around 650 years ago, a man called John Wycliffe set about translating it for us. Uh, Absolutely revolutionary at the time. Why did he do that? Well, he said, I'm going to quote him, uh, slightly old English, this was a long time ago. He said, seeing as the Bible contains Christ, that is all that is necessary for salvation, it is necessary for all men. That is, he said that in the Bible we meet Jesus, So the Bible is vital for people to be saved. So therefore the Bible is necessary for everyone. Everyone must have it. We must make it available. But if the Bible is for everyone, having it only in Latin was a problem. So he said, again, Old English, concentrate slightly on this one. He said, Christ and his apostles taught the people in the language best known to them, Therefore, the message should not only be in Latin, but in the common tongue, English. And as the faith of the church is contained in the scriptures, the more these are known in a true sense, the better. He's saying Jesus and the apostles didn't go around talking a language no one understood. They used people's own languages, and therefore so should we. The scriptures should be translated into people's language so people can understand the message. So with a team, John Wycliffe uh, set about translating the Bible into English He said, the laity, that's every Christian, not just the the priests, ought to understand the faith, and as doctrines of our faith are in the Scriptures, believers should have the Scriptures in a language which they fully understand. That's why we have the Bible today in English. It it actually was so controversial at the time that translating the Bible into English was outlawed. It It was illegal. It was such a bad thing to do. It was made illegal in England to translate the Bible. Uh, but copies of his translation were spread and groups sprung up all over the country discovering god's word this by the way is before printing had been invented so those bibles had to be copied out by hand just imagine the effort to do this but those people thought access to the bible was so vital the words of eternal life that's what they did in this country they wrote it out each copy in full by hand and when printing was, was later invented and William Tyndale started a new translation into English 500 years ago, he did it because he realized the truth of the gospel needed to be accessible to all the people. He famously vowed to one theologian of his day, if God spare my life, I will make the boy that driveth a plow know more of the scriptures than thou dost. That is, he translated for the plow boy because he understood the words of eternal life are not simply for the elite But because in his date was still, because of John Wycliffe, still illegal to do this, he was persecuted, he had to flee to the continent to do his translation uh, from there. That's what it took. People suffered significantly to get us the Bible in English. Tyndale was uh, killed in the end. Wycliffe's body was dug up and burned after he died in order to punish him even more after his death. Why did people like that give their lives for us? They did it because the words of Jesus are the words of eternal life. Because in the Bible, God himself is speaking to us. Because in the Bible, we meet Jesus, the bread of life. And as we feed on his words, so we come to feed on him. It's because of them that a church like St. Ebbs can exist today. Because under God, Wycliffe and Tyndale made Bibles available. And from having Bibles available, we've developed church leaders uh, who've been trained to preach it well. And it, w- it was that confidence that they had in the Bible is the same confidence that we should have today, and it's a confidence we should have for our world. Indeed, if tomorrow morning a friend asks you what you did at the weekend, uh, you might say, well, I, I went shopping, or I watched Netflix, whatever you did. Well, you might feel brave and say, I went to church. But why don't we train ourselves to have more confidence in God's word? It's a powerful thing that people suffered greatly to, to give us. Why, why not say if it's appropriate to a friend well I, I was at church and I, I heard this 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 guy I can't remember his name uh, and he was explaining where Jesus says I am the bread of life like a quote from scripture dropped into a conversation gives people access to God's word maybe for the first time for them to choose to pick up on uh, or not uh, I met, mentioned earlier uh, that globally around one in five people don't have the Bible in the language Uh, I feel it's a tremendous injustice. Whichever way you look at it, it can't be right. If these words are the words of eternal life through which we meet Jesus, then surely there must be some obligation on us who have the Bible in our language to make it available to all people in their languages so they too can hear God speak to them and know Jesus in their own language, just like John Wycliffe and William Tyndale did for us. I mean, like, why should we have it and not them? And we heard earlier from from Matt and Helen uh, Pope about their work training church leaders in in, in Chile and, 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 and around which is tremendously exciting because when you have church leaders growing in confidence to build their ministry on God's word, the Bible, and and, and to plant churches on that foundation, that's when whole churches grow in maturity, when they in turn reach out to their communities and when they start planting new churches. And that's when world mission really takes off world mission is not about us trying to change the world world mission is all churches everywhere around the world participating together in proclaiming jesus the bread of life whose words bring eternal life it's not just don't misunderstand me it's not saying proclamation only as if people's physical needs don't matter even in oxford we heard earlier of, of outreach that we work for got going with homeless uh, this church has city activities of for children's groups debt counseling showing the love of god in practical ways i'm not saying that but we must never lose sight of the priority the necessity and the urgency of taking the words of Jesus to other people by the way Tyndale's translations not so widely known was only possible because of a guy called Humphrey Monmouth uh, Monmouth wasn't a translator um, he's, not, he's not well known his Wikipedia page is very short um, but he does have one at least I suppose he, he sponsored Tyndale to do the translation. That is, Monmouth paid for it. Tyndale was working on the continent because of the persecution. Uh, Monmouth kept sending him money to keep him going. And it's the same today. The wealth we have here can be used to sponsor mission workers and Bible translators around the world who need financial support. And when Christians like us and, and churches like this partner with, with the mission teams of Bible translation or church leader training programs or, or whatever it is overseas, together with our support, they can make more rapid progress in, in translating the Bible for those people, to training people how to proclaim it faithfully, um, that not, um, not just Bible preach, translation and preaching, but, but all the ministries of making God's word known. And as God's word becomes available, even to ordinary people, and as church leaders increasingly use the Bible faithfully in their preaching and their ministry, you see all over the place Christians growing stronger in their faith, knowing Jesus better, people in wider society being introduced to Jesus for the first time. They too can discover for themselves that the words of Jesus bring eternal life as they take them to heart. They too can come to know and believe that Jesus, in Jesus God is for them, not against them they too can find what we have discovered that Jesus is the answer to their hunger and thirst as a church we support a number of activities around the world and individually between us we probably support many many more to meet a whole variety of needs and I want this morning to encourage you in them And I want to ask you to prioritise this crucial need of giving people the words of Jesus and to make this possible around the world by making it one of the primary causes you support. God's word is the foundation for Bible-based evangelism and discipleship that point to Jesus, for building Bible-believing churches that bring glory to Jesus so that we and all God's people can daily feed on Jesus through his word. Studies of the donations of evangelical Christians to overseas work show that we tend to give far more, twice as much, to overseas relief and development as we do to spreading the word of God and the good news of Jesus. Friends, that can't be right. Apart from anything else, it creates a long term dependency on Western donors. Whereas focusing on church growth develops the local capacity to meet local needs. Not, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying Relief and Development are wrong. Of course not. Jesus fed the 5,000, remember. I'm saying our priorities should be shaping our giving. And if we believe that the words of Jesus are the words of eternal life, then let's put our money where our faith is and get serious about giving to enable the causes that matter the most. There's a lot of us here. There'll be many different things that we'll all be involved in, good things. But whatever we're doing, let's prioritise Bible-based ministries, evangelism, discipleship training, and Bible availability ministries, which make those ministries possible, Bible translation, Bible distribution, because those are the things that have the largest impact. Because, as Simon Peter said, to who else are people going to go? Jesus has the words of eternal life. So let's help people discover those words. All over the world today, people are crying out for solutions to their problems. And what they all have in common is that Jesus wants to meet their deepest needs. As believers, our challenge, our responsibility, indeed, our great privilege is to spread this good news, to make God's word accessible so that more and more people can enter and enjoy the eternal life he longs to give. We can do that by praying for World Mission. You get a prayer diary table at the back. Uh, Some of us can do that by joining a mission organization to serve as Matt and Helen are doing. You talk to me or a member of the church staff. And particularly this morning, I want to ask that we support World Mission with our money too. Why don't we pray? Father God, we thank you for this clear word from Jesus that I am the bread of life. And the the realisation from Simon Peter, you alone have the words of eternal life ask for ourselves that you'd help us to grow in confidence in Jesus and in his words and that you'd increase our opportunity to make his Word known that more and more people might find life in him please use our lives our prayers our money for that great purpose we pray amen